And I believe that that will begin to help you on that journey. The season that we have found ourselves in, whether we like it or not, has demanded that we be more present. We are facing all of these new realities. There's all these things coming at us from all different angles. What we thought was the end of all the COVID and all the things that that we've been dealing with the last few months, and, and you know there was light at the end of the tunnel, and then these last couple of weeks, a whole new reality is entered into our lives. And I bet for many of you, as it is for my life, we're trying to sort this all out. We're trying to figure out what this means for ourselves, we're trying to figure out how we communicate this to our kids. We're trying to figure out what it is that God would call us to do. What is the proper response with the things that are happening in our world today? And isn't it interesting that even the events from the last few weeks aren't just a matter of our world, but actually right here in our own country. They've come to our own town and we've been forced to have to deal with some really serious things. And today as we open our Bibles, as is our custom here at Shepherd's Gate. I just believe that God has some work to do in our hearts. I believe today is going to be a convicting message. I believe today that God has something for you just as much as he had for me as I was preparing this message. And so I'm glad that you tuned in. I'm glad that you're brave enough to continue on this journey with us here at Shepherd's Gate to figure it out what it is that God would require of us. For those of us that profess faith in Jesus Christ, that those of us that realize that we have been created by God and we've been redeemed by Jesus Christ because of what he has done for us on the cross and that because of, of, of his work in our hearts and our lives, that he's the one that gives us faith and the Holy Spirit is the one that continues to convict us and to lead us and to guide us each and every day that we have here left on earth. And so that's my prayer for you today, that as we open God's word, that as we look again once, to, once again to what it is that maybe he would speak to us, that we would open up our hearts and our minds and we would receive from him all that he has for us. And so we've been on this series of messages called The Present and the Tense. And for the month of June, it's a four-week series, we've been going through Romans chapter 12. And I would just encourage you in this, if you haven't had a chance to do this yet, read through all of Romans chapter 12. It's 21 verses. It won't take you very long to read it. And then after you read it, read it again. And then after you've read it a second time, find somebody else and read it with them. And if you have a family living at your house, I would encourage you, gather them around and read it to them. And then pass the Bible around as the weeks go on and have somebody else read it to you. And you see, as you read God's word, as you continue to go back to it, as you continue to see what it is that God is speaking to us, what you're doing in those moments is you're allowing God to challenge you. You're actually allowing God to draw you closer to him. You're allowing God to shape and to form you into the image that he has for you. And that's exactly what you're going to see again today. So if you're watching with us, thanks for tuning in, no matter where you're at. And I just encourage you, grab your Bible if you have one. Otherwise, we'll have the scriptures on the screen here for you as well. But we're going to start where we left off last week with Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. And this is what it says. 
For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Do we need to go any further? How are we doing on this one? When we think of the way that we interact with people, when we think of the circumstances that are going on in our country, when we think of the words that we say and the thoughts that are in our heads, do we actually have the ability to think of ourselves or not think of ourselves more highly than we, than we ought, but that we would actually rather think of ourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of us. See, here's another way that you can kind of break down this first verse is this way, is if you do it in view of God's grace, these are two followers of Jesus. These are two of his closest disciples. In fact, one of them is his brother. And this is how they put it. James put it this way, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Or Peter said it this way, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. So I think it's one of the hardest things for us to do is actually humble ourselves. To actually recognize that we don't have it all together. That we don't have all the answers in life. And that we're still trying to navigate and figure this whole thing out. But yet the one of the most important things we can do right from the beginning is to first humble ourselves before God. To realize, yes, we have been created by him. And that, yes, one day when we close our eyes in this life and we open in the next, that we will see him face to face and we will give account for the way that we lived our lives here on this earth. See, it starts with how we view this in, in, in view of God's grace. And not only that, but in view of our faith. Jesus said it this way in Luke 14. Jesus said, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. So if you want to keep playing the pride card, if you want to keep, you know, thinking that you have all the answers, guess what? It's probably not going to work out too well for you. In fact, it says, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If we actually do take the proper posture that God in his time will do his work in our lives. Philippians says it this way, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, again, in humility, ready for this? I'm sure many of you have heard this before. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, I know as many of us have once again turned to different sources and we've looked at different information and as more information has come out, even about George Floyd, you know, it was kind of a, a heartbreaking week as I witnessed the, the first part of his funeral in Minneapolis, because that funeral actually took place at the school that I attended for five years. And as I looked at the shots inside of that worship center that I spent five years of my life, I went to a Bible school where we had to go to chapel every single day. Do the math. You imagine how much time I spent in that chapel praying and hearing God's word and a lot of time at the altar asking God, what is it that you have for me? What is the direction and the path that you have for my life? And now watching as people are mourning the loss of this man and joining in on mourning his loss. You know why? Because it's been proven over and over again that he was a follower of Jesus, that he professed faith in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. 
And the same week I'm watching that take place is the same week that I'm watching people begin to devalue this man, begin to point out all of his flaws and failures, begin to point out all of the sins that he's committed in the past, and even the demons that he continued to struggle with to this day. And I got to be honest with you, it disgusted me. In fact, it angered me. Because that's not what God has actually called us to do. And as someone who has professed faith in Jesus as a follower of Jesus Christ, a fellow brother and sister in the Lord, no matter what their past entails, no matter what demons they face to this day, what right do we have to then now use that or exploit that or to share those things with others? Let me ask you today. Imagine if that was you. Imagine if someone created a meme of your sins, all the things that you've committed up to this point in your life. And imagine if part of that meme was all the sins that you continue to struggle with to this day. What kind of feelings would you have about that? What if someone did that to one of your relatives or someone that was really close to you? Maybe someone that you've lost recently. See, so often when, when situations like this arise and, and a couple days go by and, you know, you know, the dust we think begins to settle, but yet the emotions are still high, all of a sudden we begin to become these investigators, right? We begin to, you know, dig up, you know, different resources and circumstances and all of a sudden we become something that God actually never intended us to do. In fact, this is what I've seen a lot of. I've seen a lot of this take place hey, we're really sorry that he lost his wife. We're really sorry that, that he went through that circumstance. We're really, you know, sorry that the police officer did that. And we certainly don't condone that, comma, but. Hey, you know, it's a real tragedy that, you know, that took place. It's a real tragedy that, that you know, somebody else that, that, you know, was struggling in this world lost their lives, comma. But did you know what he did in the past? Comma, but did you... Did you see all the things that, that came out, the things that he continued to struggle with to this day? Or it's this, hey, you know, it, it's too bad that that happened, comma, but here, here's some statistics, or here's some charts, or here's some graphs, or here's some spreadsheets to maybe talk about some of the things that, that other people have suffered or dealt with. And so somehow in some weird, warped, messed up way that somehow justifies the killing of an innocent man. God, help us, church. God, help us to get, to get control of ourselves. What have we become? If we can't even just in a moment of time, in a season of life, just recognize this horrific act for what it is and mourn that a fellow believer has left this earth before his time. Again, what is it that God would convict us of today? It's interesting that our vision here at Shepherd's Gate would be to value everyone. We don't get to pick and choose who we value on this earth. In fact, we're all created in the image, in God, in the image of God. Just go back to the very first book of the Bible. You're only going to get in a few verses. You'll read all of those passages there. And that God, even to this day, calls us to value everyone. So again, I'm asking you to be humble today. I'm asking you to look into your heart and your life today. 
and not just say to yourselves, well, maybe there's some things that we need to learn or, or maybe there's some things that we need to read or maybe there's some videos that we need to watch or, okay, you sent us some links to some Netflix series. Okay, I can do that. But maybe we need to go beyond just maybe educating ourselves a little, a little bit more. Maybe there's some things that we need to unlearn. Maybe there's some things from the past that we've just accepted as normal and we have never addressed or faced or maybe even some of the things that have been passed down to us that we've never challenged, that we've never properly dug into, that we've never asked, hey, is this really, truly what God has called me to be as a child of his in the community of faith beyond Shepherd's Gate that he's called me to be part of his church, the church universal? Let's see what it is, again, that God would speak to us in Romans 12, goes on to say this, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, part of one family. And each member, look at the word he uses, belongs to all the others. We don't get to decide who's part of God's family and who isn't part of God's family. Each member belongs to God. And not only we belong to God, we belong to each other. Again, everyone has been created by God. And if everyone's been created by God, that means everyone is loved by God. Why would he not love his creation? And because we are loved by God, God is the one that actually connects us together. And because of that, we belong we belong to God, and we belong to each other. God, what is it that you are trying to teach us in this moment? God, what is it that you are trying to show us in this time? God, help us to see people the way that you do. God, help us to value people the way that you do. God, help us to spend less time reading news and scrolling social media. And God, help us to spend more time on our knees crying out to you and praying to you and asking for you to help us to have a change of heart and have a change of mind. And God, to see the world the way that you do. You see true unity. It's only possible in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're watching today and maybe you've been part of this church in the past and you've been frustrated by the way that maybe we've communicated things or the way that we've treated people. And you're not sure where you're at in your faith. Maybe you're watching this and a pastor has hurt you or a church has hurt you or a denomination has hurt you or whatever the situation may be. Realize this today. Jesus Christ is the answer. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And it's ultimately Jesus Christ that is bringing you to himself. And even though sinners somehow got in the way, and even though sinners were somehow able to kind of influence you and maybe give you a different view or taint your view of God, understand, go to the Word of God, read what it is that the Bible says about who God is and what it is that He has done for us. He is full of grace and mercy, and He values every single human being on this planet. True unity, true unity is based, its foundation is in God. And it is in God alone that we have any chance for our future. It's in God alone that we have any chance of passing this on to our kids and to their kids and the next generation to stop the madness that just seems to keep popping up and keeps happening over and over and over again. In fact, today I would tell you, 
There's so much beauty in the body of Christ. There's so much that we're missing out on. There's so much more to what it is that God even has in store for us and why he's created us with so many different variations and so many different skin types and so many different even spiritual gifts, which is what, a, which is what the writer's about to address in the next passage this morning. In fact, it says this in, in verse 6. It says, we have different gifts, different gifts. So we all don't have the same gifts. We've been given different abilities according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If your gift is to speak up and, and God, through his Holy Spirit, it has the ability to tell you, hey, I'm going to nudge you in this direction or, hey, I want you to speak up about this injustice or, hey, I think you really need to be the voice for your community on this one, then guess what? Prophesy, speak up. And the way that you speak up is not based on your own knowledge or, or how you feel about something. You speak up based on the accordance of your faith. It's the Holy Spirit's nudging. It's the Holy Spirit giving the words to say that people need to hear what it is that God has laid on your heart. Goes on to say, if it's serving, then serve. For some of you, you speaking up might not be with your lips. It may very well be with your hands. It may be that, that God is calling you to figure out how you can serve others, those that have been pushed aside, those that feel like they have no value. And God, the Holy Spirit, is going to lead you in that. If you humble yourself, if you ask God, if you pray about that and watch what it is that maybe he would lay on your heart. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, which we need a whole lot of more of that in our society to this day. Those of you that God has gifted with the gift of encouragement, guess what? Then give encouragement. Speak those words over others. We need you in this time. If it's giving, then give generously. And if it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, those of you with the gift of compassion, do it cheerfully. Together as these gifts come together, as the church forms one body as Christ brings us together and we're all using our uniqueness, our giftings, the way that God actually created us, that we actually are able to go further than we ever thought we could go before. That we're actually able to invest in one another. Think about this, that we're actually able to make our time here on earth better because we're shutting down all the noise and the distractions of the world and we're turning our hearts toward God and we're turning our hearts toward each other and we're saying, God, we want to form such a strong bond and a unity of community here at Shepherd's Gate. And that, God, not only do we want to have this bond here at our church, but that, God, you would, that you would bring us together with other brothers and sisters from other churches, from other walks of life, from other denominations. God, whatever that looks like, start with us. Start with our hearts. Start with the areas of life in our life that need to be addressed. Isn't it interesting that Paul is actually advocating for unity within diversity? He's telling the church, look, you want to be unified, embrace the diversity, embrace what it is that God has done in your midst and the people that God has brought together in your church. There is beauty and diversity in the body of Christ. 
There's so much beauty and wealth and wisdom and influence. So often we miss out on that. Because again, we're, we're so caught up in our own lives or we forget who it is that we serve. We refuse to humble ourselves. But instead, in this time that we've had, this un- extraordinary time that we've had where so much of our lives have been shut down for so long and now as things to begin to reopen. And in the same moment as we've dealt with, with this unbelievable racial tension and injustice right before our eyes, God, what is it that you're speaking to us? God, what is it that you're doing to challenge us? And I want to ask you today this, as you look at these gifts, as you look at the gifts that are listed in verses 6 to 8, which one has God given you? What is your God-given gift? Which one of these speaks out more than any of the other gifts to you? And if you happen to be watching with other people in the room, would you just turn to them and tell them the gift that you believe that God has given you? Would you say, this is, this, is, this is the one that I just feel that I excel in and maybe you're having a hard time coming up with a gift? Well, ask the other people in the room, say, hey, out of these gifts, which one would you say that I display the most? If you're watching this by yourself, I would just encourage you, grab your phone and text message a friend. Call a friend that you know tunes in and watches Shepherd's Gate and say, hey, this is what I believe that God has laid on my heart and I just wanted to share this with you today and I hope that at some point this week that maybe we can talk about it, maybe we can explore what this means for me. And once you figure out that gift, once you've labeled what that gift is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to figure out how you can use that God-given gift to do what has become our theme for this whole month. How is it that you can use that God-given gift to speak up? How can you get pushed out of your comfort zone? What is the way in which you can use that gift like never before? And not only to speak up, but where would God call you to lean in? To learn from others, to read something, to watch something, to pray with someone to stretch your mind, to stretch what you've always known to be true. And maybe now is the time, like never before, even if you're 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old, if you're still alive, God is not done shaping and molding you into the image of his son and wanting the best for you. How is he calling you to lean in? And then ultimately, how is he calling you to step out? What does that look like in a practical way for you? You know, as we close our service today, we're going to sing a song that's very familiar to many of you. We've sung it several times here at Shepherd's Gate. It's called King of My Heart. And I want you to think about this. As we sing these songs, as we sing, you are good, God, because it is true. We're not good. God is the one that's good. God is the one that's rescued us from our evilness and our sin and our faults and our failures. And we also sing that God is the one who is not going to let us down, even though we've let him down over and over and over again. And so I don't want you to tune out. I don't want you to turn off your cell phone. I don't want you to close your laptop or walk away from your television set. I want you to process this as we sing this song. After we sing this song, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to pray. And as we pray, I'm going to lead us in an opportunity for us to confess those areas of our lives when we've allowed pride, when we've allowed racism, 
And we have allowed some of those nasty, awful things to fester in our hearts and our lives way too long. And it's about time that we hand them over to God. And as we hand them over to him, we watch as he takes them from us. And he once again cleanses us. And he begins to do a work in our hearts and our lives that only he can do. Let's sing this song together.